This is a podcast about our lived experience, which unfortunately includes infant death and subsequent mental health struggles. Please take good care of yourself and only listen if this content feels safe for you right now. We'll still be here when you're ready. Hi, I'm Judith. And I'm Alina. We both lost babies to SIDS in winter 2021. In the throes of grief, I reached out to a stranger on the internet and our friendship was born. In the years since, we've been working hard to survive, rebuild, and navigate the continual challenges that have come our way, including divorce, job loss, dating while bereaved, moving multiple times, health scares, pregnancy and parenting a living child, starting new jobs, and so much more. We are tired. Happily Ever After is out of the question for us, but this podcast documents our journeys to happier ever after because we believe life after loss is worth living. So join us as we laugh, cry, cry until we laugh. (laughs) Welcome to As Long As I'm Living podcast. We're so glad you're here. The reporter yesterday, the reporter yesterday Googled me because she found my episode of The Silent Why, Uh Um, but she didn't find our podcast. But what was funny is I was like, I have a podcast with another lost mom. And so I was telling her a little bit about that. And at the end of the interview, she was like, so I have to get like, you know, information about you for the article. Like, you know, how old are you? Where do you live? What do you do? And she said, are you a podcaster? Really? (laughs) And I was like, well, I am, but that's not my job. (laughs) That was so funny. That was your job? Yeah. Oh, that's it's like, funny. that is not my job, but thank you for thinking that so this thinking podcast that is legit successful. enough that I would have, that oh it would be my God. job. I just got attacked by allergies. Uh, I'm sorry I wasn't so present for you this morning. I've been elsewhere. I'm I know. Oh, okay, hold on one second. So, hey gang, we're over here just rambling. Ramble, ramble. Um, We're busy. <laughs> you know what I was we're thinking busy. the other day, Judith? I, I need to just toot my own horn and recognize my healing that I am able to multitask again. It's amazing, right? And I really thought that was something that wasn't going to come back because for a long time, I couldn't even do one task, let alone multiple tasks at the same time. I know. But now I'll be at work and I'm like context switching from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting. I'm answering emails while I'm in meetings. Like I'm doing like a zillion things all at once and I have a podcast. Right now I'm doing three things at once because I'm trying to find the name of the woman that I've been texting, but I don't even know her name. But yes, I agree. Actually, it's funny you said that because I just went on this work retreat, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But um, people said to me that I look because they saw me exactly one year ago mm-hmm. and they told me I got multiple times feedback that I look alive again and that I have like a energy or a glow that is very life. I don't know what words they use, but they see life in my face and uh-huh. in my energy again. And it felt so good to hear. And I was so proud of myself because <clears throat> I don't see that on the inside. Like, I don't see, I can't see that. But yeah. when other people say that I looked like gone last year, it, it was kind of comforting, honestly, to be like, yeah, I was like, yeah, that, I agree. It feels so good to know, like, yeah, I'm really in a good place in my heart, which is good. I got that too. Cause I saw, um, I went to a family wedding this past weekend and, um, not my wedding, <laughs> somebody else's wedding, a family wedding, a family wedding. And, um, you know, I saw some people that I hadn't seen in a long time and I got that same thing that, you know, I look so much more alive than the last yeah. time. I believe it. I think you do. But that being said, um, 
I spent about two hours on the floor yesterday. <laughs> and yeah. Well, I'm not yeah. quite sure how much you want to go into that, but you tell me. I, I'll get into it. I had a, um, um, I was asked to participate in a, an interview, um, for a big newspaper about sudden unexplained infant death. And, um, when it comes out, I'll, I'll be sure to share it if I, once I read it and make sure that it feels like something I want to share. Um, but you know, for the first time since EMDR, (laughs) I recounted the whole day, you know, start to finish the whole day of finding him. Um, and I was able to do it. I made it through all of that. I recounted an enormous level of detail about what it was like. And, and I don't know that I needed to go into the detail that I did, but I'm glad I did. And I think she's the interviewer was glad I did because it does, it is a shocking thing to happen. And to me, like there is some value in sharing the horror. Cause I think, yeah. um, you know, it shouldn't just be us that carries that, but that said, mm-hmm. um, and, and by the way, I don't know how much of that she'll put in, but I think probably some of it. And, um, I wanted to give her the option of all of the pieces of it so that she could make the decisions of, of what to include in the article. And the, the interview went great. It went fine. I sent her this little follow-up email after, and then I stood up from my desk to go, I was going to meet, um, my fiance for dinner and um i stood up from my desk and my legs just turned to jello underneath of me i realized i was nauseous and i felt dizzy and i was like oh yeah the body keeps the score like i am not as okay as i thought i was (laughs) like not okay and you just disappear and i just yeah i crawled like on my hands and knees to the bathroom i didn't actually throw up but i did like dry heap a whole bunch (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then I laid on the floor of the bathroom in the dark and then, you know, he eventually came home and I just, I laid in bed. Like, I don't remember a lot of last night cause like I was yeah. in a PTSD blackout essentially. And, um, what's weird is like, I think somebody would hear that and be like, oh, you shouldn't have said all that to that person. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like I had to do that. That was fine. It's just yeah. like, it just is what it is. It it's is interesting what it that is. you had that experience this week because I also had an experience this week. This that kind of brought me back to the beginning, which was that I went away for a work retreat, like I said, and I was in Chicago and um, I, my husband was home with our daughter and I couldn't get a hold of him one night and I could watch our daughter on the monitor. So I knew she was okay, but I couldn't get a hold of him. And I called him probably 20 times and it had been a long time. And, um, I started to kind of panic, not kind of like panic, panic. Totally and this panic, is actually yeah. the fourth time that this has happened to me. Pretty much <clears throat> every time I go out of town, I'm away from my daughter, but but it's not every time. Like when I was with you last year on our grief retreat, it didn't happen, but okay. Let's just say it happens pretty much every time I go out of town, something like this happens <clears throat> where I have a panic attack and I ended up having to call all my neighbors. Thankfully I have friends in our neighborhood. I called like I, I just kept calling people until someone woke up and it was like one in the morning here. And, um, my poor neighbor had to be awoken in the middle of the night and come knock on our door. And when she knocked on our door, my husband woke up from his deep sleep and, um, I had a panic attack himself because he was awoken in the middle of the night by someone pounding on the door saying, Judith's trying to get a hold of you. And he thought something was wrong with me. Um, or your daughter. Well, yeah, he really did think something was wrong with her. Cause I was, 
I was just incoherent, you know, I was really incoherent. Like we both were having panic attacks simultaneously. And, you know, it was interesting because he and I are in such a good place right now, but, um, there's so much anger that comes out of it. It's like, how could you do this to me? Like he was saying to me, how could you do this to me? And I was saying to him, how could you do this to me? Like I'm dying. And he was like, I'm dying. And I'm like, you scared me. He's like, you scared me. And we were like so angry at each other in the middle of the night because we were each having our own separate tra traumatic panic attacks because, you know, of the other person. Yeah. And, um, and I, you know, first of all, if you've been through something like this, which you have, you know, just how exhausting it is physically, like on your body. Yes to be in such a like from like traumatized state, you know, it's like your body just ran a marathon and we were both just up shaking, screaming at each other in our heads. Cause at that point we weren't talking on the phone, um, for the whole night. And I f was doing so well. Like I said, people were like, you have a glow to you. Like you look so good. You're doing so well. But then in the middle of the night, things happen. Like I remember you're, still fucked up the trauma yeah. still lives within you and i i don't know how to get it out like i don't know what to do you know my neighbor god bless her she's a very lovely person she said like do you have any coping um <laughs> mechanisms to help you when these things happen i think she was just asking like generally like what have you developed what, what's in your school and i was like i literally don't have anything because when i get in such a state that i'm convinced that he's dead i nothing can bring me back and well, I, but the I, thing I'm, is you do have so many coping mechanisms. i have so many you're tools. in great shape we just are talking about this right each no, of no, us no. is in fantastic shape but it's like when these things happen when these things happen i'm which they back, will which they will and it's like i there are certain circumstances i just don't have any tools in my toolkit. Yeah. And, and the I don't tool know. is i i was lying on the floor of the bathroom and i was like i need to get to my ativan yeah. I need to get to my Ativan, but I was on the floor of the bathroom and the Ativan yeah. was in the other room. Yeah. And I was like, I don't think I can. Did your primary move care physician prescribe you the Ativan? Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. that's actually a good idea. Like I should probably go to my primary care physician and, and say that this is what's happening yeah. and I need help. Yeah. But like, but even that I was like trapped because my body was like shaking and I was having like, you know, a, a very visceral physical reaction to this yeah. trauma that was flowing through my body. And I wound up crawling on my hands and knees from the bathroom, like stumbling, but not stumbling because that implies you I was standing up. I was on my hands and knees, like dragging myself through I know, my apartment so, to get to the so, Ativan. Alina, like I'm getting emotional thinking about how I was that night because yeah. I, like just I, this poor woman, I was screaming, you know, when you're crying and you can't, you're, you're like yes. heaving, like yes. you, you're so worked yes. up. Like I was shaking. I just think about this poor woman who was woken up in the middle of the night to this trauma. And I'm sure it really scared her. Like, I don't think, and kind of brings back to what you were saying about remembering those fine details. I don't actually think general humanity faces trauma and tragedy in the same way that we have and when you see it from the outside when i saw it from this poor neighbor's side or you see it from you know you're kind of like dictating it and telling it to the reporter it's like you relive it and you're like oh my god like this is it not normal bad it was it's bad and it's not normal it's no. not normal there are certain things that i can say like okay you know if you've been through a bad breakup i'm sure you can relate to the feeling of wanting to be on the floor sometimes like yes but i don't think that you can relate to having a panic attack that's induced by sudden death unless you've mm -hmm. been through something like that yeah. 
And if it's I mean, one of the things, shock. one of the things that I was saying to her is, and again, I'm not going to say only people who have lost a child have felt this, but yeah. I think the, the, the feeling that I was describing was where you are in so much emotional pain that you actually feel like you're dying. Yeah. Like your heart will stop. And that doesn't yeah. mean I'm crying so hard that physically I can't breathe and my heart stops. I mean, my heart hurts so much yeah. sometimes yeah. that it feels like it will just stop beating. And I yeah. think, again, I don't think it's not like people haven't felt that in their life, but just to have that feeling, yeah. it's like just a pinprick away at any moment, at any yeah. moment, because my child yeah. is dead. Yeah. So the fact that we're able yeah. to be functional at work and multitask and go to family weddings and like do all this stuff mm -hmm. is like really remarkable. And I want to pat us on the back for it because really we're fucked up. <laughs> well, I was actually going to go the other way and say that we're doing really well. Like I'm so impressed yeah. that we're not fucked up, but the trauma side is just a pinprick away. Mm -hmm. Wait, is that what you said? Meaning like yeah. you just don't know. Because I, on the same work retreat, um, held a six-week-old baby boy. And what's interesting is I held the baby and I told you that afterwards I was sad, but I wasn't like traumatized. I wasn't like triggered emotionally. Mm -hmm. Like I was sad, yes. but I wasn't in this panicked state. It didn't cripple me. But what's interesting is which, like there are some things that now I can say, yeah, I've developed a coping mechanism with that. Mm -hmm. I know how to process that. But there are still yes. some things that I just don't know how. As a really good example on this, at this family wedding, we were at a restaurant um, the day after the wedding, a, a group of us and a man, a waiter at the restaurant collapsed to the floor. I watched him right. collapse to the floor and have a seizure. And my whole family was looking at me like they were going to be like, they were like, do you need to leave? Like blah, blah, blah. All yeah. And I was like, I'm okay. Yeah, like I'm weird? watching that a medical emergency. Me. I'm watching EMTs come in. That it was like everybody that would have really And me. that's the kind of thing that I know I've done the, I've done the processing. Yeah. I specifically in EMDR processed emergency vehicles, this whole thing, other people's emergencies and I have this um it's called a positive cognition that's where I repeat to myself, this is not my emergency. This is not my emergency. Yeah. This is not my emergency. And I was sitting there just calmly in my head. This is not my emergency. And everyone in my family was looking at me thinking I was yeah. going to be devolving into this, like, you know, puddle of trauma. And I was like, this is not my emergency. Like, yeah. I didn't enjoy that he was having a seizure on the floor. Let me be clear. No, but I think but I was that, almost like, handling it better than anyone in the restaurant. It's interesting to me that you are, that that did not set you off. I know you've done a lot of work around it, but I, that would totally have upset me. And now, I mean, because I have an 11 child, but for a lot of reasons, like sometimes kids are hard for me, but in general, crying kids doesn't trigger me. Babies, even Aiden's age don't trigger me. Like in general, I can handle the babies without a problem, you know, but this really ate at me. I, I mean, yeah. So I think I think it's one of those things that reminds me that we're just human and we've been yeah. through a lot. Yeah. You know, I, that's what I tried to tell myself. And actually, that's what I told the neighbor. And, oh, this was the worst part, by the way. Not the worst part, but a bad part. The next morning, I woke up and everyone called me back who slept through my calls in the middle of the night. Everyone was like, are you okay? Did you mean to call me at 12.50 in the morning? I thought it was a missed call. Like, are you guys everything okay? And I had to, like, what was I going to tell these people? You know, yeah. like, 
Yeah. What was I going to, I had to tell 10 people. I had to be like, oh no, I'm okay. I just check it in. <laughs> I, end, <laughs> I ended up talking, one of my friends is a therapist and I called her in the middle of the night because her do- husband is a doctor. I was like, he must keep his phone on loud. What if there's like an emergency, whatever. But he does not is what I've learned. And um, I was talking to her about it and she was like, Judith, like, do you want me to, you know, make up something when I tell him why you called? Like, what? and I was like, I'm not embarrassed about this. Like, Mm-mm. you, ch- I literally said, you try losing a child and tell me if you have panic attacks in the middle of the night. Like, I don't think this is embarrassing. I think it's like awkward because now I don't know what to say to all these people, but I'm not embarrassed that I had this reaction. Yeah. I feel bad for the person that I woke up in the middle of the night and my husband and I had panic attacks in front of her, both of us on either side of her. Yes, I feel bad that I did that to her because that's not a nice thing. You know, it's not nice, but <laughs> I don't feel embarrassed because yeah. I recognize and I'm giving myself the grace to say that I've been through something very, very traumatic that these yes. people cannot fathom. And I also want to, I want to also recognize that us even having language to talk about yeah. this and that compassion is in and of itself a step. And I think yeah. to myself, like, me being able to recount every detail of that day mm-hmm. calmly and with presence of mind is in and of itself a step forward, even if afterward my body was like, we're not completely okay. Like yeah. all of these are steps forward. And I, I quite frankly, like, I don't think I'm ever going to get to the point where I can recount explicit details of finding my son's body and be 100% fine. But I am significantly more fine now than I was before, just as you don't have panic attacks in the middle of the night, 99% of nights, right? Well, what what I'll say is I used to get panic attacks um, because if my my husband goes to bed really late at night, which is also why it was suspicious that he was not awake at one in the morning when I was trying to reach him. Yeah. but I used to get panic attacks when he was in the house. Like if he was in his office and I would wake mm-hmm. up at three in the morning in my bed and he wasn't in the bed, I would get panic attacks and I would call you heaving on the floor yep. outside. It, it's whatever. There have been times, I just want to explain, give some context. There have been times where he's fallen asleep in his office chair. Okay. Yes. It's not a usual thing. What happens is I'm just going to give a minute. And Alina, you on this medication too, right? Yeah. Like he has anxiety. So he's on trazodone. Is that what it's yeah. called? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So some, so the trazodone really helps him sleep at night, but sometimes he'll take it and then he won't go, you know, like he'll wait to get drowsy before he comes to bed. But sometimes he falls asleep before he uh-huh. wakes up to bed. So he'll fall asleep like in his chair deeply from this medication. And so I, this has happened multiple times where I've woken up. He's not where he should be, meaning in the bed. And I can't like find him or I don't know exactly where he is or I get confused. And you're not in your right mind. You're like stumbling around. Like, where is he? He's dead. uh, Right. Exactly. Where could he be? I see the car in front. Where would he be? It's three in the morning. And I have like real panic attacks. And so I, let's show progress (laughs) when he's in the house. I'm much better at managing my (laughs) panic attacks. But when I'm, when I'm out of the house, it's still a real challenge. And I suspect I will always, like you're saying, carry a piece of like, if I can't reach you and I've been trying to call you for hours and there will always be a piece of me that will be terrified. But I hope that it's not to this physical extreme. That's what I'll say. Yeah. So we're getting better. 
We're as we talk better. about a couple of really severe meltdowns, we're getting better. We're, oh my God. I'm, I'm so much better. I'm, so I'm doing better. really well. Honestly, I'm, I'm in a really too. happy place. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> I'm doing really, really well. Things feel so like they're fine. Let's talk about turn. that for a little bit. Okay. Yeah. So what's going on in your good life? Um, well, I'm getting married and that's all going great. Our parents yeah. met each other. It went well. Um, I had a really good weekend with my family. Which, by the way, I find funny because in my culture, in my community, like you would have, they would have met a lot earlier. Oh, my mom's going to be listening to this and being like, in our culture, they would have met sooner yeah. too. Um. <laughs> no, just because I, I think part of it is like, there's a feeling of like families marrying families. So if like, you know, it's yeah. much more. Yeah. engaged process yeah i i don't know how, i don't know what to there's no excuse for it it's weird that they hadn't met until now but I mean, but it is what it is they met just like adults and you're an incredibly private person yeah i am yeah. um that went well and um you know he came with me my fiance not his parents to um a family wedding um for another family member of mine and so he got to meet my extended family and that went so it was so fun to hang out with them i have this job that is I actually really like, I'm really busy, like really stressed and busy, but it, hopefully the stress and busyness will be a little bit short term. I'm hiring people, um, to help. And I feel like I'm like good at my job and I like it and that's going well. We're looking for houses, which is exciting. Um, I have a plan for IVF. So we're hopefully going to be starting, they finished the genetic probe and I'm hopefully going to be starting the egg retrieval process in July or August. Which is which thrilling. Is so that's, soon. Which I is know. So soon. And it's not going to be the, the like pregnancy, like the um, transfer part of it, but you know, we're going to do the egg retrieval. And I feel like that's going to feel like such a good step in the direction of having kids. I think that will give you a kids. lot of information because you, you think, you know, right now you feel like 50% of your eggs are going to have this genetic mutation. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. We don't know. But um, I mean, I know science says it's going to be 50, but you just don't know what yeah. they collect. And so, you know, if you find out that it's more, that might make you feel one way. And if it's less, that might make you feel another. And it might make yeah. you, if it's, let's say only 25%, then maybe you wouldn't feel like you need to do IVF for all future. I don't know. Yeah. Or, but like, even, even like, I, it's all a complete unknown right now. Like, I don't know how my body is going to respond to IVF. I'm like yeah. feeling like if I get one or two healthy embryos, that's great. Great. But like, what if yeah. I, it could go so well that I wind up with five healthy embryos? Like, yeah. I don't yeah. know yeah. how my body is going to respond to this. So I think there's just so many unknowns that I'm just excited for there to be known, like yeah, just 100%. to have them be known, even if the answer is bad, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. So that's good. That's what I have going on. What's up with you? That's a good deal. Um, my husband got a job. The astrologer told us that it was gonna, that he was going to get a job June 11th and his first day of work is June 12th. <laughs> so the astrologer also told us that he won't be at this job for longer than six months. So you guys, that's, I don't know what. Strap in for the rest of the roller yeah, coaster ride. And the astrologer also told me that she thinks that I'm moving this year, which I really don't want to do. So uh, I'm just telling you this now in case it does happen. And I'm telling this now in case it doesn't happen. So I know not to believe everything she says, but she's freakishly <laughs> correct. So in general, I do believe her. Um, okay. So yes, I, my husband got a job and I'm so excited for him because he's so excited. It's been a really long time since he's had a job he's excited about. So that's great news. And he's been doing so well, like with his healing and his grief and his journey, I'm so proud of him. And it's also, it feels so good for us 
both not to be grieving. <laughs> this is like <laughs> the first time in two years that we're both not grieving. And it's been yeah. like nice just not to have to even think about that. And I, okay. I feel like I didn't realize just how heavy thing had, you know, things have been. I mean, I knew things were really, really hard, but I forgot that things could be really good. Like last week, I, I think I told you, I know I told you this last week, we were sitting on the porch and he told me that he, he's cooking dinner, he does all the cooking in our house. And he was telling me that he wanted to get this book called the science of, um, of cooking, something about how, you know, like salt, fat, huge acid, something about science and something about cooking. Okay. And he told me, he was like, it, that thought for him, like was the first time in two years he had an interest in doing something. Oh he was God. excited to do something. He yes. wanted to learn something. He wanted to learn how to cook with whatever he, he was excited about his life. Even though it was just the science of cooking, he hadn't experienced an interest in so long. And I really relate to that because I remember when Aiden first died, I couldn't shop for a long time because everything looked the same. Like I would go in the store and everything looked the same. The clothes were the same, but everything was yeah. the same. I couldn't shop. Yep. There was no preference because it was all the same. And I think that's how he's felt for a really long time. And when you remember what things look like or taste like, or when you can have excitement and joy about something small, like buying a new t-shirt, it's just such a good feeling. So yeah. <clears throat> that's been going really well. Our daughter is learning how to speak and she like says all these new words and it's just kind of like an exciting time in her life. Like it's exciting age now that we're kind of out of the baby thing, which is better for us mentally. Mm -hmm. um, it's been really fun parenting. It feels fun because she, it's kind of like, it's kind of like playing like a game of telephone all the time. Cause you have no idea what she like. She's like saying <laughs> some words, but not other words, like it's more like, interactive it feels more engaging so yeah. that's been really good and um summer is my favorite season i should also say that yeah. that i love being near water and i love the summer and the pool is opening this weekend which is such a dumb thing to be excited about but i'm so excited about the pool opening this weekend so i feel like all in all like i'm doing so well and i just i feel like i have to say this because <clears throat> There's a piece of me in my heart and in my soul that's so afraid to say I'm doing well and that's so afraid mm -hmm. to feel like I'm doing well. I'm so afraid to experience that joy because once you have it, it's so it. much easier to lose it. And you're so exactly. aware that something could happen at any moment. And so I think for a long time, I was scared to say anything about things going better because I was so afraid to jinx it. And, um, and I have made a conscious choice to not empower that little voice even though maybe there's a piece of me that believes it okay. still i don't think i deserve it meaning i believe things will be bad again i believe i will have many more challenges i believe i believe this astrologer that says this job will only last six months like i believe bad is coming but i am choosing to ignore that and i'm choosing to like lean into the good and i'm choosing and to say enjoy oh, the like, good while it's here yeah and i'm i'm a superstitious i'm not like that superstitious but i think just in my culture there's like this component of like you know like tempting bad fate and i'm refusing to buy into that like i want to say i am doing really well things are so good in my house right now i feel like i'm enjoying my life like i am finding pleasure in so many things I feel like myself again, I'm happy in my body and my skin. And I want to say it because I'm afraid that I'm going to miss it. You know, yeah. like the bad is going to happen again and I'm going to miss it because I'm going to be so afraid the entire time that I'm going to be going to that. Yeah. It's like a nice okay. drink of water after you've been in the desert. <laughs> Let's yeah, just sip yeah. that water. 
I'm just going to sip that pina colada. I'm going to tell everyone that I'm sipping the water because I don't believe it unless I say it. So we started this episode talking about how each of us was having a full-blown PTSD episode within the last couple of days, and we're ending it by saying we're doing really well, but I think that's true. (laughs) (laughs) I think Roller coaster, grief's a roller coaster. (laughs) To all of our wonderful new friends, we want to hear from you. Email us at aslongasimlivingpodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at aslongasimlivingpodcast. We'll get back to you as soon as our grieving brains allow. Yay!